What's up, everyone? We're here for post-game Locked On Bucks as Milwaukee cruise by the Chicago Bulls in Chicago tonight. They pick up another win. They're now in a virtual tie with the Celtics and also the Sixers. I believe all those teams are 49 and 30 at the end of tonight. Uh, Giannis, a bit of a quiet game, but it didn't really matter. Brooke Lopez announced himself back on the offensive scene with his biggest performance since he came back from his long layoff. Uh, we can talk lineups, we can talk defense, maybe we can talk buck killers as well, because I tweeted something that had people uh, very much getting involved. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot. Up, good for Giannis at the buzzer! Bucks win it! I'm your host, Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my other stuff over at ESPN. Joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. Of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. And uh, this will be a mostly happy podcast, Frank. The Bucks really cruised against the Chicago Bulls. This game was never really close, 127 to 106. And... We can uh, get out the party poppers because the Bucks have clinched the Central Division for the fourth year in a row. And I remember being there uh, when they won the Central Division back in the 2018-19 season. And I actually made a, a bit of a big deal about hanging the banner, hanging the Central Division banner, Frank. Um, but while divisions mostly mean nothing, let's be honest, it is interesting when you look at the, the history of the Bucks, and they really dominated division through the 70s and 80s. Only won the division once in a 30-plus year period from then. Uh, but they're owning, they're owning these teams now, uh, Frank. And while it doesn't really mean a lot, uh, there was some thought earlier in the season with the way the Bulls were playing. It might not have been the case. But another season sweep over the Bulls, and that's always fun. Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, 20, 25 games ago, I, I would have said the Bulls were were likely to stay ahead <laughs> yeah. of the Bucks in in the East standings, and um, you know they've obviously dealt with a ton of injuries this year. Uh, tonight, Zach Levine doesn't play. Um, Lonzo Ball, the news sounds not promising as far as him coming back this this regular season. So, uh, so yeah, I mean they've had to cope with a lot, but um, you know it's funny these last two games the Bucks have played them. I mean the Bucks defense has looked just you know, great. It's just, you know, tonight, DeMar DeRozan just having to make tons and tons of mid-range jumpers, which is like, okay, you know, like it just makes me think back to after that Knicks game early, I think it was the first year of Bud's tenure. And uh, there was the Giannis quote, um, you know, about the the math game, you know, the math problem about the Knicks were shooting a ton of mid-range jumpers and eventually started missing in the Bucks won. And, you know, the Giannis quote was like, did they win? No, they did not. And that was just sort of how it felt like with the Bulls these last two games. Even when DeRozan goes on these really hot streaks, they're not, you know, I mean, they're they're the shots you want to give up. And, you know, just Vucevic was terrible tonight. And it just didn't feel like, I don't know. I, I mean, this game wasn't a complete laugher most of the game, but 
I, I mean, did you ever feel like the Bulls were really threatening no a whole lot? I mean, yeah, it just never felt like the Bulls were were really putting a lot of pressure on the Bucks. And um, you know, end of the day, uh, you know, the Giannis MVP campaign is is has not gone into a ditch, but you know, certainly lost a lot of momentum these these past couple of games with the loss against the Mavericks and and now just a pretty quiet foul plague night tonight. But um, you know. That's that's part of the strength of this team, obviously, is, um, you know, you can run on other guys. And I think seeing Brooke Lopez, you know, score 28 points and you know, he was really the guy. Giannis was dishing off to him repeatedly in this game. And thankfully, it wasn't just Brooke shooting threes. I mean, only one out of four on threes. He was eight for 10 inside the arc, nine for nine from the foul line, 28 points in 29 minutes. Um you know, if, if he, there was that one play when he came streaking down the middle and it, you thought maybe he was going to dunk over everyone and he, he just came up a little bit short and, and had to settle for like a little lay. I think it was an and one. Um, so so maybe Brooke isn't like 100 percent back, but uh, but he was awesome tonight. And, you know, it was a nice counterpoint to, OK, for second straight game, we saw a team have a pretty good game plan, did a pretty good job of sort of zoning up against Giannis and, and not giving him a lot to attack and doubling him a lot. And Brooke was oftentimes the outlet, and that's what you have to do, right? You have to show that you know you can have other guys step up and take advantage of the openings created uh, from Giannis's gravity. So, um, so you know this ended up being a, a you could tell the players had fun with it. Um, Bobby Portis, nice to see him see some shots go down, and and Grayson Allen was really good, and it came out really aggressive, and I thought he looked really good tonight. So, um, you know. I don't know. It's just, just interesting, right? The first Bulls game, we had that really hard fought defensive game that the yeah. Flux barely won. And I think Levine didn't play in that game. Um, and these last few games since then, as much as that second game in Chicago was, you know, it felt that was actually a pretty close game. And the Bulls, you know, had a good run in the third quarter of that one. Overall, Bucks have, I think, really sort of reiterated why, obviously, they've been the class of the Central Division. Um, but also nice to see them reminding us that. They can actually win some games pretty handily, and not just um, not just have to rely on closing games out in the last five minutes. I think the interesting thing, if we stick with Brook Lopez, uh, or the positive thing, I should say, because you're right. I mean, you have to imagine that after having such a long layoff, that maybe he's not back to a hundred percent. But the thing that I've found the most encouraging watching him over the last few games, and particularly tonight with the types of way that he was scoring, it was almost like it was a layup line. Like I think this was the world record for glacial drives from the perimeter to the basket. It was just time and time and time again. And even though a lot of those were mostly uncontested, he was still putting himself in a position where he doesn't really seem to care about taking contact, which I I think is as good a sign as anything when you consider about a guy coming back uh, from a long-term back injury. And the other thing is, it wasn't just the big line, the big guys where the Bucks looked like they monstered the Bulls, but it was even on the perimeter. And, and I know that they're missing Lonzo Ball. And as you said, it's not sounding that good. But even a guy like Alex Caruso, who is who is pesky, and he poked the ball away a couple of times and it was fine. But anytime Drew Holiday actually was in a comfortable position, he was like, whatever, like, you're not going to do anything to me physically. Chris Middleton a couple of times had Caruso on him on the perimeter. And he's like, come on, then let's go down to the baseline. I'm going to get whatever shot I want on you. So uh, right across the board, the Bulls just looked like a really small team. And the unfortunate thing for them is that their option to going big is putting Tristan Thompson on the floor. And I just don't think that the Bucks give a, the, the slightest shit about Tristan Thompson being on the floor. So overall, uh, this Bulls team, and we've spoken about the Bucks having to play small a lot through the season. 
But just the addition of Brook Lopez and how you can now maneuver these lineups, even on a night where Giannis only plays 24 minutes, because as you said, he was in foul trouble. They just looked massive compared to the Bulls. Yeah, and I mean, give Brook credit. I, I, it's it's sort of funny. I think when Brook first came here, um, you know, we talked about it. I remember talking to Eric about it, um, our friend Eric Name, after the the loss to the Raptors, and thinking, "Hey, something for next year. Can can the Bucks figure out a way to weaponize Brook Lopez?" around the basket more. And I was thinking more of like, hey, second units, throwing the ball in the post, let him kind of go do Brooklyn Nets type Brook Lopez stuff. Um, but it's been interesting because the guy that we've seen the last couple of years, we saw it in this really the second half of last year. And then of course he came in in particular against the Hawks when Giannis went down, had that monster game uh, five. Um, Brook is not like when Brook's at his best, it's really not because the Bucks are like feeding him post-ups and he's going to work there because I, I feel like honestly, as much as he has great touch in the post, he settles for fadeaways and he <laughs> settles for like really not yeah. great shots. Um, but when he's in pick and rolls, especially with Chris, he did I think he did a couple with Drew tonight as well. Um, when he's like attacking, I think the thing tonight he did was like Giannis when he was getting all this attention, he'd flip it over to Brooke and Brooke had a couple of just quick attacks on closeouts. And you know, as much as they are sort of glacial looking. Um, you know, it's one dribble and then he's so huge going at a really small team and he has very good body control, right? Um, he's not a guy that gets out of control because he's going so slow that he's, he's maybe he actually just never gets knocked out of balance. Maybe that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then again, anytime he's within like eight to 10 feet of the, of the basket, he's got such nice touch and he keeps him, you know, when he's so, when he's like moving it at, he's, he's never hurried up, right? Brook Lopez never gets sped up. Um, it, it plays in his advantage because, I mean, what are those guys going to do, right? They're pipsqueaks. Like, they're not going to go up and, like, block his shot or something like that. So uh, so I, th- I thought they just did a really nice job of getting broke the ball in spots, and he did a really nice job of being aggressive. And, um, you know, again, like, the the, <laughs> the three-point shot, it just kills me how many times he catches the ball, pump fakes, guy gets a little closer, and then he shoots from the guys. I mean, you know, the three-point shot, I there are very few three-point attempts that Brooke takes where I'm like, oh, good shot. Um I feel like most of them like just feel like probably not not great great shots, but um, but to his credit, you know, um, obviously for him to be where he is um, tonight, he added three blocks tonight, two steals. Um, you know, he looked really good defensively uh, the last time the Bucks and Bulls played. Really controlled the the, the rim area, uh, and he did that again tonight, which is as we noted, especially important on night when Giannis doesn't play a whole lot. Um, you know, for him to be where he is. You know, I mean, any of us, if you told any of us that this is what he'd be bringing right out of the gate, you know, in the first few weeks after returning from the back injury, I mean, we would have all been absolutely thrilled, right? And um, I still, you know, get a little nervous. I mean, playing 29 minutes tonight, does he need to play 29 minutes? You know, I guess he's getting his conditioning up. Um, but it's uh, it's been just really fun to see and just the joy with which he's playing basketball right now is it's really fun to see. I mean, right. He's a guy that everybody's always loved Brooke Lopez on this team. He's such a heart and soul guy. And I don't think he ever took basketball for granted, but now he's said it repeatedly. He really appreciates the fact that he's able to be back on a court playing, you know, the sport that he loves and the sport that, you know, he's excelled at for so long. And so it's, uh, it's been a real treat to see him back on the floor. And um, again, hopefully, hopefully he can have more of these performances against teams other than the bulls. Um, but, uh, but just a, a really nice capper for him and, you know, we'll see how much 
he plays other than the Celtics game. We'll see how much he plays this weekend, but um, not a, not a bad time for him to be routing into, into form. That's for sure. And he also had pregame, a funny skit along with Giannis where he actually pretty vigorously shoved uh, Benny the bull to the hardwood, uh, which uh, I enjoyed. Uh, it might've made uh, some people uh, raise their eyebrows, but speaking about rays, we've got a new sponsor, shady rays. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of a 200 bucks pair of sunglasses for the fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed double frames and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't want, uh, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays Insane Protection Program, which uh, would be very handy for me. Uh, there, there has never been a pair of sunglasses that I haven't broken or lost in my lifetime. And Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Sounds incredible. So give them a try. And if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use the code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off. For two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. And I should say that Shady Rays at Rays R-A-Y-S as well, just to be clear. So shout out to Shady Rays for jumping on board. Uh, Check out the Locked On Now podcast as well. Uh, What you will get with the Locked On Now podcast is uh, the reaction from our friends over in uh, Chicago. See how they're feeling. This has been a season that's gone kind of unraveled a little bit, uh, as you mentioned, Frank, with injuries and those types of things. Uh, they're going to make the playoff. They're going to avoid the playing tournament. There's no doubt about that. But it's been tough. So check out the Locked On Now podcast after you're done with Locked On Bucks. You mentioned Grayson Allen. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I did feel like Bulls fans, really, the the level of enthusiasm they had for booing Grayson Allen tonight was... It wasn't great. I, I think that they were over it. I think it's fair enough that they're probably over it at this point. But I think the other thing that hurt them was the fact that Grayson Allen was super, super aggressive. He played well in Milwaukee when they last played. But when he first came to Chicago, he looked like maybe he was a little bit hesitant. He wasn't really wanting to go in there uh, and, and be too aggressive. That wasn't the case tonight. He had a nice couple of drives. He had one play where I, I think it was Derek Jones Jr., was it? Where he kind of just bundled him out of the way and finished in the paint as well. So I thought Grayson Allen was great. I tweeted something about the bench scoring. And by the way, bench scoring like is kind of a start that I don't think really matters all that much. But it has been a talking point through the season that the Bucks just have really been getting nothing off the bench, which probably, again, matters more in the regular season than the postseason. But I just like the balance that they've got now with the lineups. I like that they're going defense first. And it helps that tonight was a night where Wes Matthews hit a couple of threes, by the way. But I just wanted to check in and see where you're feeling about the lineups and what they've gone. I generally feel that in the postseason you're better off to go defense first anyway. I think we saw the reason why tonight that, to me, any any idea that, well, you know, you should put Grayson Allen in the starting lineup for his offense, I think the Bucks' offense is fine. I think that they've got enough guys. And ultimately, if the concern is that a team is completely ignoring Wes Matthews and leaving him open in the corner, well, Wes Matthews shoots some open threes. I mean, he's a very capable shooter. I'm not too worried about that as Dudley is very locked into this conversation right now. If you can see, if you're on YouTube, and the other final point I would make with this, Frank, is that if Grayson Allen is having a really nice night and he's coming off the bench, then just play him a little bit more in the playoffs. I don't think that he needs to start. We saw that with Bryn Forbes last year. So I like the balance 
that they've got right now. But there is certainly some uh, a section of Bucks fans that maybe Dudley is included. Dudley is a dog, by the way, if you're listening on the audio version, that is completely covering Frank's face. So I highly recommend you watch on YouTube. <laughs> but where are you at with this? Do you have any strong feelings? Oh, Dudley, Dudley, thank you very much. Dudley's giving me kisses over here. Let me let me just put this golden retriever back on the ground. By the way, the first time Dudley came on this podcast was a tiny little pup, and now yeah. uh, completely covered Frank's entire body on yeah, the screen. We we got he was born in June of last year. We got him in August, and uh, he's like what is it? Whatever he is now, ten months, nine months, and uh, like seventy pounds. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like it's it's kind of I I I was I mean I, I don't really read Twitter much during during games. I just sort of like to to focus on the game. But um, but you know I was trying to catch up, and I mean it's like we can just let a guy play well off the bench and have that be a good thing that he plays well off the bench, you know. And again, I think it comes back to who are you going to be playing in the playoffs, and whether it's the Nets. I mean. I, I think we saw why Wes Matthews was starting against the Nets, right? Because I'd much rather have him working his ass off <laughs> against Kevin Durant than Chris having to do that. Um, I think whether it's, you know, the Sixers, again, he wasn't able to, to slow down Harden as much, mainly because there's so many pick and rolls. Um, but just being another body that you can throw on the wing there against the Celtics, for sure, with the wing scoring that they have. Um, you know, I think that's just, obvious to me that that's sort of the way you want to be more bent in in the playoffs and so why not get more reps trying that here late in the regular season um and but as you said it doesn't mean that they have to play west smith was matthews 35 minutes or something like that right i think we would all say that that that's probably not a good thing if he's having to play that minutes that many minutes unless it really is a case where he's you know the 1v1 marker in like a durant series and assuming that it was working right obviously it's not if it's not working well if he's struggling if he's a foul trouble like well you know you got other options right you know and it's not just grayson allen pat Connaughton probably would be the more obvious one to me that you know if you're talking about like crunch time guys but i think you have to give grayson credit because i mean in that nets game when he played late um there have been a, a few games here uh in the past couple of weeks where when he's played late in games i think he's shown that he has a good understanding of kind of spatially where he needs to be um, in terms of helping off. And I think the team has gotten some good reps in these games the last few weeks in terms of being able to help over when he's the primary defender and stuff. So, you know, he's not like Bryn Forbes or something like that defensively, and he's a much better, more all-around, well-rounded offensive player than Bryn Forbes. Is he the pure shooter that Bryn Forbes is? Maybe not. You know, I don't know that he is the, the catcher off off motion that Bryn is, but you know, he's a 40 plus percent three point shooter and who can take a, a ton of volume. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's good that Grayson Allen is playing well off the bench and it's good that Wes Matthews played well, um, offensively tonight. I think again, you know, I don't, I don't really worry much about DeRozan getting a bunch of mid rangers off when Matthews is guarding him. I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's he's the sacrificial lamb uh, to a large extent here. So um, again, you just want to keep all these guys healthy, figure out kind of some different combinations that can make sense. And again, you you say you've got those guys, and you've got Pat Connaughton, and we all know what Drew can do. Obviously, as a as a defender and his versatility defensively, um, I think you feel pretty good about it. I think 
I think it'll be interesting to see here. Um, you know, George Hill is obviously, I mean, this is kind of what we, I mean, this is sort of what we were expecting, right? We were expecting to see more West and then he goes in the starting five. We were expecting George Hill to be the favorite over Javon Carter in terms of when the, the rotation got shortened. Doesn't mean that Javon Carter isn't going to have a role in the playoffs because who knows, right? It's not like George Hill has lit the world on fire. Um, but I think it's not surprising that Bud has sort of trended towards um, not just defense, because obviously a guy like Carter is a good defender, but has trended towards, you know, size and, and versatility defensively. Um, and that's obviously what with Wes and George and, and guys that he knows, right? And that's what George and Wes are, are obviously guys that he's very familiar with and that know the system. So, um, so we'll see. I mean, only a few, four games left here, three games left um, to get to the postseason. And um, the nice thing is if any of those guys really struggle or somebody gets hurt, you do have other options that you can go to. I think the Bucks depth, I feel a lot better about. Knock on wood, I'm going to be struck by lightning claiming that, right? Saying like, oh, they're all healthy. They're, everybody's yeah, healthy. Yeah, that's not. Let's not. Shut up, Frank. Um, don't say that. But uh, but at a minimum, um, it's nice. We, we talked about it. You know, it's, it's nice to be saying like, man, wish we could get player X some more minutes, right? And, and I think the other thing that we kind of predicted or at least we're like looking at kind of you know staring at a little bit was you trade for a big man and then Brooke Lopez comes back and then that big man suddenly doesn't play and that's exactly where Serge Ibaka is right now picking up another DNP tonight and there's no room for a third big or fourth big man when the Bucks are healthy and I think we should all be very happy <laughs> that that Bud doesn't feel like he has to play Serge Ibaka because it means that Brooke Lopez is healthy and playing well and Bobby Portis is helping and playing well, and Giannis is Giannis. Um, but it does put them in an interesting spot where, you know, they obviously got the two second round picks as part of that deal. But I mean, they took on a ton of money to add Brooklyn to add Serge Ibaka and obviously shipped out Dante, who was a useful player. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if the returns on that trade are looking great. But hey, with Brooke Lopez healthy and looking like he did tonight. I don't think you lose sleep over it either, right? As far as being ready for the playoffs, you feel pretty pretty damn good about where the roster is right now. And now it's just a matter of finishing up the the season strong. And um, you know, we can talk a little bit about playoff positioning and what what really matters um, as far as home court and things like that. But um, but certainly from a health perspective and getting guys back and in the groove, it's obviously we've seen some positive things here recently. Yeah, and it does seem again just um, you know interacting with people on Twitter and YouTube and stuff that there are. Um, some people that are, you know, disappointed or wondering why Serge isn't playing. I mean, I think it's very self-explanatory. And, and also, sometimes there's trades that, and you're still great. It's like, and you're still great to trade ultimately at the end of the day and ask whether it was the right move to make. But I think that even if Serge Barker doesn't end up playing, this is a very, very, very easy trade to justify or to understand why they went through with it. So. I don't really have a problem with it. And I just don't see, I mean, there's no way to play him right now. And the same, same with Javon Carter. I mean, honestly, tonight, even if you look at the minutes and a lot of the stars, well, basically all the stars are in the 20, 20 minutes. Uh, Drew Holiday played 35, but George Hill played 17. I don't even think he's going to play that many in the, in the playoffs. So you're talking about a very small role. And I'm just not going to get too worked up over Javon Carter or George Hill. I don't think that's going to be the difference between the titles. So for me, I, I don't, I don't really... I don't have a, a huge issue with it either way. Whoever plays, plays. I'm not too stressed about it. I want to get to Giannis, of course. I mean, it was a quiet night for him, but we'll talk about Built Bar first, the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. Uh, and as I mentioned the other day, 
if you if you just hang it on for grim life with your New Year's resolution dietary uh, stuff, then uh, you should be getting on board Built Bar because it actually doesn't really feel like you're on a diet or eating healthy because it tastes so good. They're covered in 100% chocolate and uh, there's a number of flavors you can get to, uh, which you can find at Built.com. They're changing all the time, but uh, you know I'm a coconut man. I, I like the coconut flavors, but uh, you go on Built.com and they've got whatever you're into, you'll be able to find something uh, that suits you. And uh, I mentioned they're already healthy, but 130 calories, four grams of sugar, only four net carbs, and uh, 17 grams of protein in each bar. So comparative to other candy bars, uh, you're in a good spot with Built Bar. So just go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So I did leave this to the third segment because I wanted to get through the good stuff first, but not a great night for Giannis uh, when it comes to the scoring title. What would you guess? I mean, all things being well, I, I figure he's going to play against Boston, which, by the way, is still a game that could really have real ramifications when it comes to the, the two seed and who finishes the two seed. Obviously, Philadelphia is in there as well. Uh, Boston will be playing that game against the Bucks on the second end of a back-to-back. So they've got Chicago tomorrow. So that's worth noting to see if they do anything interesting with player availability on either of those two games. But then the Bucks have Detroit on the back-to-back. I- I'm suspecting, and we'll see, this might be the Luca Vildoza game against Detroit. He may he may see big minutes in that one. I, I would assume on the back-to-back, a lot of the starters will rest. And then the Bucks have the Cavs. So... I would say at best, as long as everyone, you know, all things are, are normal, that Giannis probably only has two games left and he's at 29.9 points per game. Uh, you suspect this will be the plan of attack? That Detroit game looks like one that they might uh, take it easy. Yeah, I mean, um, it would be surprising to me if they played Gian- Giannis specifically, perhaps all the main guys. Um in a back-to-back scenario um, this season uh, or the, the rest of the way here. Uh, the game on Thursday, I mean, this is, you know, um, this is the game. Basically, it's going to set the tone here for obviously the rest of the the week and and where the Bucks land. Um, you know, the Celtics have won two of the first three. So in terms of tiebreaker, the Bucks have to win this game in order to draw even head-to-head with the Celtics. Um, Boston right now is 32 and 18 in East against the East teams. That's the secondary tiebreaker bucks are 31 and 18. So obviously <laughs> the bucks win, um, on Thursday, they'll have given the Celtics another, another loss. Of course, you know, if the bucks turn around and mail in the last two games, <laughs> that doesn't, you know, then they'll probably drop back behind the Celtics. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it is a really interesting position because I, you know, I, I mentioned it today. I mean, I, I would want to finish as high up in the standings as I could. Um, I get it, you know, especially from a, a standings perspective, um, being third has its definitely has its appeals because right now you're looking at the Bulls at 45 and 34 are the team in the sixth spot. So um, in terms of, you know, a potential opponents that wouldn't scare you, the Bulls I don't think would scare you a whole lot. Um, but you know, it's a knife edge here, whether you finish second or fourth. Um, you've got three teams at 49 and 30. Bucks have the tiebreaker with the Sixers. 
Obviously, they need to win on Thursday in order to even things up and give themselves a chance to have the tiebreaker against the Celtics. Um, and honestly, I think Thursday's game, I'm not going to say it matters in the sense of like the Bucks, you know, need to prove something to themselves or something like that. I don't think that's the case. Um, but I think it's a really interesting barometer for the Bucks because the Celtics have, they haven't played the Celtics really since kind of they became this like second half juggernaut team, right? Um, they did play the Celtics at full strength in Boston and were not competitive. And that might've been kind of at the beginning of, of when Boston really started to play well, but we didn't think the Celtics were suddenly like, oh, the Celtics are good now at that point. Um, so they're obviously missing Robert Williams. As you said, their second night of back-to-back. Would, would they potentially, I think that's an interesting question, like would they potentially rest guys in that game because maybe they're not as worried about dropping the third or fourth and getting the Raptors who are fifth and the Bulls in sixth. Again, we don't know kind of where the other teams, how they're going to handle it. Um, but look, as a fan, you know, and especially with sort of the Giannis MVP, whatever's left of any chance of him winning MVP. I mean, obviously it, for him to somehow win MVP, I think at this point it would require him to have a really big game on national TV against the Celtics and make a bit of a statement in that game. 60. Um, yeah, might might need it, right? Um, lose, losing to the Mavericks and Luca just clearly outplaying him on Sunday, I think, certainly was a blow, especially after the the previous two games. Um, so again, I I think you know to to beat out Jokic at this point, I think will be very very difficult. Um, you know, again, I think Embiid just Embiid has like I, the, the Embiid's thing about like saying like if, if people don't vote for MVP, then they must hate him. It's like what a weird, sad. Like, sad. What a weird, what a weird like complex to have that like if you're not mvp like like i would hope like a, can i just say i would hope that people that have a vote for this like would hear that and say you know what i'm not voting for you just for that absolute bullshit i mean that is just sad that's, that's like, like that's pathetic. that's like that's like if you you know break up with uh someone and they're just like you hate me and it's just like yeah, no just, i just don't love you or yeah, you know very strange like you as much as Nikola Jokic and Giannis Adekupo. Very weird. <laughs> just strange. He is a strange. I mean, he's obviously he's never won one, so we, you know, I, I get it. You people really want to win an MVP, but um, but that's been a little weird. But I mean, Embiid's been obviously since you know since basically, um, you know, getting stuffed and and Giannis getting the better of him. He's obviously um has put up monster numbers last couple games. Had forty five yeah. tonight. So yeah, I mean, he's certainly on path here to run away with the scoring title. I, I mean, I don't, you know. I don't foresee um, Doc. I mean, let's just say this. I think like tonight, you know, Giannis basically didn't play after he went to the bench with 10 minutes left. Um, I don't think they would do that in with Philly. I think they would try to make sure he gets his numbers and, you know, um, so it goes. But um, so, yeah, it's it's just an interesting situation. And I think, again, it's just the Boston game just, I think, has intrigue on so many levels. And again, I'm, I, I don't think Giannis is, I would be surprised if Giannis is a monster game. I think the Celtics have become a team that, that defend Giannis pretty well um, at this point, but you know, he did it on Christmas day. He was incredible in that Christmas day game, which um, you know, in many ways sort of the start of his just monster scoring, um, not even second half of the season, right? It's been almost like two thirds of the season at this point. So anything's possible. You never count Giannis out. Um, I think at this point though, I would just love to see them win on Thursday, if nothing else, then just, you know, as a fan watching these games, just fun to see the Bucks make a statement versus, you know, if you lose by 10 at home um, to the Celtics, like, 
eh, not really, the, not really the way you want to go in, into the playoffs. Even if I don't think the Bucks are going to worry about it. Um, I, I, as someone who's going to have to listen to podcasts about, about the NBA, I'd rather the Bucks win that game just to shut some people up. So, um, so yeah, just all to play for. And I, and I agree. I don't know what's going to. I mean, the, the Detroit game. Detroit sprung a bunch of surprises on teams, including the Bucks, um, in in the past few months. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what what comes of that game. And as we saw in that Clipper game, um, you know, once Giannis is out, uh, I don't really have any expectation of what the Bucks are going to do on a night-to-night basis. Again, it's, it feels like it just becomes a three-point shooting referendum. So um, I, I'd say that Detroit game is very much, a, you know, that, that Detroit game may be the, as big a question mark as the other two games, to be honest, as far as the Bucks winning, just because yeah. I just don't expect that they're going to field you know, their best players in that game. So um, I think, and then it'll be just interesting to see. I mean, the, the real, the really interesting thing is going to be if there's seating at stake on Sunday, what do the Bucks do? And do the Bucks, you know, do the Bucks roll out um, a full strength lineup uh, on Sunday? Because you look at the standings, I mean, the Cavs are 43 and 37. They're a game and a half up on the Nets. Uh, they're in the seventh spot versus Nets in the eighth. Um, and they're, and Nets and Hawks are tied. So very possible that the, the Cavs will have an incentive to win that game in order to make sure that they get, you know, two, two, two potential play-in games to win one. Um, so I, I expect it'll mean something for Cleveland. I think that there's a very good chance it'll mean something for the Bucks as far as being in the 3-4 spot, at least potentially the two as well. Miami, at this point, two losses up. Um, they are, they only have, th- they are 34 and 16. So again, like, you know, They'd have to lose a couple of games, and I think the tiebreakers are unlikely to to help the Bucks uh, in that respect. So, um, so yeah, Thursday night. Hopefully, Marcus Smart doesn't hurt anybody. Should be fun. It's going to be a fun game anyway. And let's be honest, the Bucks have had, as you sort of pointed to, some real struggles against the Celtics, not just this year, but in previous seasons as well. Uh, the one last note with that Cavs game: the reason why I think that a lot of the guys are going to play regardless. I don't know whether they'll go all out, but it is a little bit different to previous years. Uh, the playoffs won't start till the following weekend. So you have basically got a week off. It's not like the first round series is starting two nights later. So that's the other that's the other aspect there. But we'll see. Uh, the Cavs might have something to play for, uh, but we'll see. Check out the Locked On NBA podcast, the national podcast on the network. They'll be talking about a bunch of those other teams that are in the mix in the Eastern Conference there and keeping you up to date with everything going on around the league. Anything to wrap it up, Frank? My dog has left, so... I, I think that's that's it as far as interesting uh, interesting things I have to contribute tonight. Uh, Dudley is like most listeners. By the time it gets to the thirty-four minute mark, just barely hanging on by a thread. So we'll leave it there. We'll talk did, about actually. Did, did you guys did you guys talk about Luca Vilzato already? Uh, I can't yes. even remember. I can't even remember when this or Vildoza. I don't even know his name. Vildoza, Luca Vildoza. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mentioned it yesterday. Um, yeah, the Elijah Bryant of the twenty twenty two. Yes. Yes, and I've, that's the only thing I have to add because I have no idea if he can do anything on a basketball court. But um, predictably, he's non guaranteed for next year. So, that's we, 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 you know, it, Friday night can they can they get him? Is, is he ready to play basketball on Friday night? <laughs> that may be his one chance to do the to do the Elijah Bryant. By the way, Elijah Bryant still the Bucks' fourth leading scorer from their championship uh, their championship season, sixteen points a game in one game in that, that one game that they lost against the Bulls in the last four years or whatever it's been, that last game where nobody played, um, that will forever be Elijah Bryant's legacy 
career 16 point per game scoring average in the NBA. Just uh, mark it down. He should never come back to the NBA just so he can retain that uh, that those nice career stats. Well, there's going to be, uh, and I think this might be what we're looking at in the Detroit game. Uh, I know I don't know exactly what Luka Doncic is averaging per game. I think around 27, but I do know Luka Vildoza can really score the ball. I did see him play against Australia a number of times in the Olympics and the pre-Olympic stuff. So he can really shoot. So there is uh, something on the line for Vildoza. He can finish the 2021-22 season as the high scoring Luka in the NBA if he can have a big night against the Pistons. So look, there's plenty to play for here in, uh, in the last couple of nights and we'll see what uh, he can do. Tomorrow we'll talk Bucks and Celtics, get ready for that game there. And then of course, on Thursday night or Friday here in Australia, we'll have the post-game show as well. And uh, really start to get ready for the playoffs. So for Frank, myself, take it easy. Catch you guys tomorrow.